This is the story of how AA was brought to the Eskimos in 1947. This is being taped from a not very good recording which was made at that time in Barstow, California. I won't stand because I would not be able to hold up too long standing. I was an alcoholic for 15 years. The Eskimo alcoholic, of course, does not go through the various stages that I have heard speakers here in the state speak of, of going to a certain bottom, of going to Skid Street, or a mental institution, or to a jail. The Eskimo alcoholic wife the blunt end of these blows by getting beat up, hit in the face with a salmon, threw out in 80 below zero weather to go back to her folks. However, the alcoholic pattern, I'm not going to narrate on my 15 years of experience as an alcoholic, but of course our things are not too much different than yours. Another man and myself were the interpreters of the Nudlug Eskimo village are the only two whites in the village that can speak the 12 dialect languages of the Eskimo people. So, of course, this other man and myself, Laverne, we had pictured ourselves as all alcoholics do as extreme big shots. We had the cheap guns over a barrel. Whatever we done, they had to like because they could not understand what we done or what we said unless we interpreted. So, of course, with Laverne and I, we, of course, never had heard the mention that we were an alcoholic. We'd never heard the word ever mentioned, alcoholic. But, however, we would take, we interpreted for missionaries of various denominations of religion. So, in Eskimo people, it is the custom I observe it here in the States, but I would not observe it in my village. Eskimo people will not shake hands with each other or will not shake hands with a white man. This is due to the symbolicness of the Eskimo people that here in the States, your major crime is murder. In These lies through the vibration of shaking hands can be passed from body to body. The joke here in the States that if the more men and women uh, do not embrace, they touch noses. This is very true. It is for the same identical purpose that if a man or a woman have lies in their body that locking horns and embracing like they do here on Chitlin would catch that they can't for. That is not a joke. Lying first and foremost is your first. So Laverne and I, we were pretty good at it when we were drinking. Missionaries would come in, and if a missionary, he got too close and he sniffed us, and he smelled we had something out of the bottle, and he opened his mouth and said anything, he was done. Because in our briefing to him, we would tell him, now you go up there and shake hands with all of these chitons. Make sure I'll shake the hand of every one of them. And the moment he tried to shake hands with the chieftain, the chieftain's left. There was no further audience. He was through. 
But we did not tell us men of God to do this. We told them well. We would interpret to the chieftains that this man of God was there to teach the heathen chieftains and their people Christianity, the white God, which was no audience they had to leave. These things went on for many years. We were fur trappers. We knew in our minds that something was wrong with us, but we had no idea it was alcohol. We were alcoholics. Oh, no, not us. We weren't, as far as we were concerned, even drunk. So when you can go out in 80 below zero weather and stand in 80 below zero weather driving dogs, and the sweat pour off of you for 30, 35 minutes, then you stand there and just about shake to death, you should realize that there's something radically wrong with you. But however, we didn't. We kept on with our brutality towards our wives, running off the missionaries, various ones, and thinking, as all alcoholics do, that we were absolute big shots, that we were irreplaceable. We were so interpreted. We were the only two. We could drink, we could do anything we want, and no one could do anything about it. But there came a day of reckoning. But before this day of reckoning came, the first brush that we had with Alcoholics Anonymous was three years before this occurred that a dead trapper was found, and on his person... The only identification that he had was a medallion in his pocket. And on one side had the capital letters AA, and on the other side had the Trinity Prayer. This we interpreted the AA to be the man's initial. This prayer to, be, to pertain to the particular denomination of religion that he belonged to. <coughs> We wrote the National Council of Missions by New York, forwarding to them this prayer, this serenity prayer. And we received back a negative answer that they knew not of any religion that had this particular prayer. So we were stumped. We did not know. We did not identify the man at that time. Three years after this, our families were pretty tired of our drunkenness. As I have heard alcoholics say here, they could stash a bottle under the bed or in the mattress or in a bureau drawer, and only they could find it, and some of them couldn't. But Laverne and I could stash it out in a snowbank, and we knew just where to stick our hand in it and get it. Our wives or families could never find it, but we could always get up and go and get it. Three years after this, the chieftains and our wives and brothers and mothers and families decided that our drinking must come to a fat halt. It must come to a halt right then and there, so there's no further waiting. So Laverne and I were called to the chambers, and we were notified by the twelve chieftains that our drinking was to cease as of that minute, or else we could go and live with the white man while we were getting the liquor. We were big shots. We were all drunk, but that's just fine with us. 
We don't care to untrip it for you no more anyway. We go. So we packed our bags and we left. <clears throat> we went into Fairbanks. Now this is a bar in Fairbanks. It's a bar on the Fairbanks slew that doesn't know Laverne and myself. We are known by everyone who's ever owned a bar in the last 50 years in the territory of Alaska. In Fairbanks. So, of course, we got there and we tried to drink everything dry. We thought, of course, we could drink Fairbanks all up overnight. Not realizing that they, we couldn't put a quart into a pint, so to speak. But we were trying it. We were giving it a good chance. So we came to the conclusion where well, we have no more family. So we had just as well go on to Seattle, Washington. We boarded a Wiener Lesson airliner and we went to Seattle, arriving in Seattle, Washington at approximately an hour at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. In the state of Washington, all bars close at the hour of midnight Saturday night and do not open again until 6 o'clock Monday morning. So coming in from Wien Airport, from the Boeing Airport in Seattle, we had hired a cab and you stop here at this one, stop at this one. So finally the cab driver, he told us, he said, you men must realize, he said, that all of the bars closed out this night. So you had better stuck up for tomorrow, Sunday. Well, we thought that was a very good idea, so we got a piece of beer and a couple of fifths of whiskey from a liquor store. Took it to our hotel. Of course, like all drunk, Sunday morning we woke up and my whole business was dry. We hit nothing. We drank it all up Sunday night. So, of course, we were in search then for something to drink. So we hired a cab driver Sunday morning. Bob brought a fix from the hotel. Bill kept on. Proceeded to drink it up. Sunday evening... We, of course, were dry again. In Washington, the state of Washington, they had drinking clubs where if you took a fifth of whiskey or a couple of fifths, you took the fifth of whiskey there, put it in a locker, and then you took and you bought the mix to mix with us. So we started out with a cab, and we are hunting for a drink. We are going down Seneca Street in Seattle, Washington. The cab driver passed two glass doors, and on one of the big letters said, Alcoholic. And in gold letters on the other door said, Anonymous. The cab driver, he said, you boys are in luck. There's a drinking club and it's open. So at all God's speed, we had him stopped. He stopped, we got out of the cab, and we walked up a long stairway. We got to the top, and a man opened the door. And he said, I'm John. We didn't bother to tell him who we were. He said, what can I do for you fellas? And Laverne and I were well-oiled, hunting a drink. Well, we said, we're hunting a drink. We want a drink. He said, you sit down back here, and after this meeting is over, I'll give you a drink. So we sat down in the back of the room on a Devon court. And then... Stepped to the speaker's rock thumb, identified himself, certified himself as an alcoholic, and uttered the words, I am powerless over alcohol. My life 
is unmanageable. The very nice sitting in the back of the room heard this critter say this. We didn't want to tell John who was sitting with us to know what we were talking about. So we took back and forth and asked him all, and we said, well, that critter sure as hell crazy. We're up here to get a drink, and he's telling all these people not to take a drink. So we talked it back and forth and said, that's all right. If he's not going to drink any more, then we'll drink what he's got, too. It was all right. We were going to get what he had. Well, several times during the meeting, this man was the other. I am powerless over alcohol. My life is unmanageable. At the end of the meeting, this old John, <clears throat> he said, come with me. We go with old John, and he took us there. It seemed like a half a block around the place, and we went into a room. And he gave us a drink. He poured us each one a black cup of coffee. Well, we were not suspicious of anything. We sniffed it. We thought maybe he might have put something in it. But when we sniffed it, we knew he had not. So we cussed him in French. We cussed him in English. And we cussed him in Eskimo. There was a poor man that was well cussed as anybody was. But he was a good AA man. From beginning to end. He took a set of getting all shook up and excited. He was placing AA medicine in our pocket. Now we were going down the stairs on Newton picture, two drunks coming down a stairway and flipping this literature all over in the air and on the stairs and on the sidewalk in front of the meeting, the Alcoholics Anonymous. We just by work flagged the cab down and of course we jumped all over the first driver, told him that the other driver took us there. He's supposed to be in a drinking club and we went up there and it was a drinking club. They gave us coffee. So he said, well, you fellas been a battle, eh? Yes, we've been a battle right now. So I say, who are you fellas? He said, with the trepper from Pentley Night. Oh, he said. Can you prove it? Yes, let's get to the hotel. So we went to the hotel, the hotel say we were the trepper. So he sell us a bottle, $25. And we slick, we had to hide it from the priest. So we had it under our coats and slip into the hotel with it. So we go up to our room and Laverne, he lay on monsoon bed and I lay on monsoon bed and I look at Laverne. I say, what do you think that that could have meant while he said I'm calling it over alcohol, my life is unmanageable. The man said, I didn't know. I was going to ask you the same thing. I said, well, I didn't know. So we took an argue about a half of the night and we go to sleep. So the next morning we get up. We get in the elevator, and we test to the elevator operator. No, she didn't know nothing about it. We go to the hotel manager, he didn't know. Bill Captain didn't know. Louis Clark didn't know. Waitress in the coffee shop didn't know. Nobody knows what this man means. So we decide, well, we are going back to Fairbanks. So we get our clothes and get to Bologna Airport, get your plane back to Fairbanks. So when we stepped off the plane and said things, we said, well, if there is a critter, no science to this, and it's the old territorial police captain, so we knew something we were kids. So down we get to his office by March in. He said, what's the matter, you boys? Say nothing. 
So we said, you know, let's not, we hear critters see that. He was powerless over alcohol. His life was unmanageable. What does he mean? He said, I wouldn't know. But he said, you hear it. We said, we heard it, Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, he said, I have one of them places here. You picked it by last seal. So, of course, the old man, in all sincerity to him and respect, he said Laverne and I were actually humming something else. So he sent us to a place that was not AA, but TA, Tavern Association, where they sell all of the whiskey and beer and wine that comes into the territory. So we were not about to get our answer there, that was for sure. So we decided, well, if we could with the election operator, she might be able to give us some enlightenment. So we called the election operator and we asked her, she didn't know. She said, where did you boys hear it? So we hear it, till you know, we hear it in Seattle, Washington. She said, well, that's the place you're going to find out in Seattle, Washington. So we saw our picture call. So she put to a call and we wait for four hours. In four hours, a man come on the other end. I was cooking on the phone because I could speak better English than Laverne. And so the man come on and I said, uh, my partner and I were there last night. And we heard a critter say he was powerless over alcohol. His life is unmanageable. So this man said, uh, you the bird from Alaska? And I said, yes. He said, well, this is John. So I am ready to hang up. Because this is the man we cut. I said to Laverne, I ain't good. This is the man we cut. So Laverne says, I don't give a damn who it is. He says, hey, Jesus Christ. He says, who asked him the question? So I in a hurry to ask it because after Cuffin met, I didn't know how he was going to feel about it. So I said, what did this clear mean when he uttered these words? My power is over alcohol. My life is unmanageable. He said, I could tell you, but you are cooking long distance. It's costing much money. So he said, I will send you a book. So I said to Laverne, he's going to send a book. Laverne said, send a book. Maybe we get it one month. Maybe we get it three months. <laughs> so I said, so John, and he said, well, how can I make it faster? I said, well, if you take us to Boeing Airport, to the Wien Alaskan Airlines, give us to the pilot, we wait. Up in the chair. So we go to Ladfield, and we sit in Ladfield, arguing back and forth what this man meant for 12 hours. Here's a cat. For 12 hours. Finally, the wind came from Seattle land, and we run out. We almost get killed by the propellers to get there to get what this man sent. We run out of answer. So we got the book. This book we took and we decide where we're going to go home. So we get a bush pilot and we go home. So when we are landing in the village, all of the villagers and chieftains and everyone come out to see who is coming in. Well, I see Laverne and I jump out of the plane. And we are not drunk and we have no liquor with it. All we have is this little package. So we not speak to our wives or nothing because we are mad at them yet. We had our resentment because they chased us up. We were still mad, so we would not talk to them. So I went home. I tell my wife to go over to your mother's house. I didn't want you over here. So she went to her mother's. 
So Laverne and I go home, we share the paper off of this book, that was the old book, the red one. So he and I sit down and we flip the pages and think we're going to find this answer right this minute. Look, no. Go to the middle, no. Go to the back, no. So we look at each other and wonder how we're going to find that. Then we decide that the only way we are going to get the answer to what this man said was to start at the beginning and read clear through until we find out. So we sit down, I read for a little while, he read for a little while, he read for a little while, I read for a little while, and we keep going, keep going. So, we stay sober with the book, reading back and forth, Laverne and I, for one month. One month that she doesn't tell us then, see, how come you boys end up drinking anymore? Oh, we say, we got a book from Seattle and Washington, and this book is keeping us from drinking. So... A book? Yes. Well, the chieftains say, you destroy this book because it's evil. So your chieftains know, many of your chieftains, white man cannot put alcohol in a bottle and then take it out with a book. <laughs> it is evil. Destroy this book before it destroy you. <laughs> oh, no, no, we're not going to do that. They say, well, if we get a chance, or your families get a chance, the book will be destroyed. So we say, no worry, you're not going to get any chance. So we say, we're going to catch two full-blooded, full-breeds on the village, and we're going to see if what we can do for them. So no, you are half-white, you are breeds, you are Laverne, all right, but no, with the full-blood. Well, we're going to do it anyhow. So we go out and we get two of the full-blood. <coughs> who are older than we were, and we figured bigger drunks because they were older, had more experience. So, we get these two criminals and we talk with them. So they say, how come you fellas stay sober? Well, we say, we got a book in Seattle, and this book is keeping us sober. They say, well, do you think this book could help us? They say, oh, yes. Yes, we think so. So, we start and we read them the book. You see? So all of us stay sober. Laverne and I sober, 90 days, 3 months. Two old Eskimos sober, 60 days. So one night we were sitting and we were reading and tripping for these old critters. And so this one old Eskimo, he say, well, he say, we should think pretty soon it's time we can take a drink. He said, we have read enough now and learned enough from this book that this book takes the drunkenness out of the whiskey. There'll be no more drunkenness in the whiskey, so we can't drink that now. Yes, we think that is right. That's good. So we take and we get a bottle of whiskey. We stay drunk for eight days. Nine days, we wake up, back where we were before, just in the same position. So the chieftains are very happy. When we come out of the drunk, they come. You see, see what your chieftains tell you, this book is evil. If this book was so good, you would not happen like this. So you destroy the book. No more heaven. Let us destroy it. No, no, we're not going to let you take the book. 
Because it is not the book, it is us. Somewhere we do wrong. No, that's the book. No. So we said there's only one way we are going to find out where we done wrong. That is to call old John up the Adler again. So we took through a long distance call and we shake this poor old critter out of bed at three o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock in the morning he answered the telephone. So he said, What he said, Are you in trouble? I say, yes, we are in trouble with the chieftains, we are in trouble with our families, we are in trouble with everybody. So I tell him what we do in three months. Told him how we had went down the steps, how we wrote all of the missionaries in the United States, those that came from England, and told them what we'd done, how we interpreted and made our amends to them. Sorry, sorry to our families and everyone. But here 99 days later, we are back again. So he said, all right. He said, you boys have gone to many extremes, he said, to find what the speaker meant when he uttered the first step of the program. Now he said, I want you to take and do this. He said, you went to them extremes. He said, now put this underneath. I am powerless over alcohol. My life is unmanageable. And that is that you cannot taste one drink. Now try that. So we can. We just started all over again, much against the good wishes of the chieftains. We continued with our meetings. Our group commenced to grow and girls, because we were narrating and using only the one big book. At the end of four calendar years, the chieftains came to a decision. This book was a little bit too much. So they had to plot a way that they could get rid of this book. And they plotted that they would have this book interpreted. That way, they would have access to the book. And they could get it and destroy it. But Laverne and I, of course, had that alcoholic thinking, and we had surmised what they were up to. To an Eskimo chieftain, you do not take a book and open it and read to him. He sits alongside of you like Max is here, and takes his finger and he puts it on each word, and you tell him what each one is. You interpret each and every word, regardless if the word is repeated 20 times on the course of a page. But you're always sure to hang on to the book like this, because he's going to grab it over here if you not. Because all he wants is to destroy the book. Laverne and I took and interpreted this book. It took us four calendar years. Each day, for four calendar years, to interpret the book to the chieftain. 
At the end of the four calendar years, Laverne and I were called in before the council and the patriarch chieftain of the Eskimo people, who is today 121 years of age, who has ruled his people since he was 15. Uttered these words to Laverne and I that this book could be left in the council chambers upon the table. That this book would not at any time be destroyed by the chieftain. As they found in interpreting, their main point was to seize this book and destroy it. But they couldn't get the hands on it. So in interpreting this book from cover to cover, the chieftain found that this book does not utter one lie, nor does it contradict itself. So, the chieftains themselves came to believe, as we do, that there was a power greater than they were. You can imagine people who are leaders, the lawmakers, the setters of moral codes, and even in the years back, the ministers, could come to believe and know that there was a power greater than they were. That he was a book had done what they couldn't do over periods of years. Not over a period of ten years, a decade of time, but over ten years, ten decades of time, in their reign, that a book could come in with its knowledge and take away from their people that they, under every type of threat from death to exile, they could not complete. But here is a book that is written and can remove it. In our meeting, a meeting at this moment that I am speaking to you, is going on in my village at this very moment. Our meetings are not run by a clock for one hour, two hours. The Eskimo people are made up of 12 chieftains of 12 dialects, not one dialect understands the other. Four at the best and four at the and four at the Not one understands the other. Well, to hold our meetings, we go with a moment of silent prayer. Then chapter 5 of preamble as next word is read in English first, and then it is interpreted 12 times for each dialect. The 12 steps are read and interpreted 12 times for each dialect. If there is a question, by a member, 
that is relayed over twelve times. Our meeting, a fourteen-hour meeting, we do not accomplish very much. Our meeting, a short meeting, is thirteen hours. A meeting we accomplish some is sixteen hours, but usually we last approximately twenty hours for one meeting. In our twelve-step work, we do our twelve-step work. The first village is thirty miles from us. The second one is sixty miles from us. The third one is eighty miles from us. Our transportation is dog team. We go by dog team to these villages to make our twelve steps. 